Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where critics and fans finally unite to discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. We're not just fans, we're not just critics, we're Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm John Negroni from the Internet California, and why are you laughing, Maverick Hines? I don't know. You just like you started smiling. You you were a different person. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Cinemaholics. Strange. It changes you. I like it. I'm not insulting you. I was just it caught me off guard. It's early. I'm tired. It's you know, Soundmaster Maverick Hines. What's uh, up? The listeners are probably figuring it out by now. There's a we killed Will. He's dead. Wow. Uh, Kill Will Volume 2. Um, <laughs> Wait, yeah, we... so Will Will's not here this week, and it's just Maverick and myself. This is the first time it's just Maverick and me since our Ghost in the Shell episode, I oh, think. I hope this is better than that. The movie or the review of it? Both. I mean, the review was, I thought, fine. I, okay. Well, we're talking <laughs> about Isle of Dogs, uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, and uh, a new show on HBO called Barry. But for the most part, I think we're really going to stick to it's Isle gonna of Dogs. It's going to be a chill episode. It's going to be pretty laid back when it's just me and Maverick, you know, when uh, Will's gone, you know, we just kind of loosen our belts. Yeah, Will's a, he's, you know, you guys don't get this vibe when he's on the show, but Mm -hmm. he's a drill sergeant. He keeps us in line. Okay. He's making sure that we're doing this right. And when he's, when dad's away. You don't see him, but he, he's fiery. Oh wait, I'm dad. I'm not supposed to call him dad. I can't remember. Who's dad? Okay. You're, you're dad. Okay. Um, And then he's, yeah. So he's just Will. Will's the glue, though. So yeah. when the glue's not here, we just fall apart. Yeah. That, which makes me feel super confident mm-hmm. and, like, valued. Yeah. You're, you're just sort of here. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. It's a shame because I, we are going to hear here. Will Ashton's... Yeah, that's you. But oh, yeah. we are going to hear Will Ashton's thoughts on Isle of Dogs uh, when he comes back next week. But uh, we both saw the movie, so uh, we didn't want to to wait any longer. Although, you know, the movie only premiered on 27 screens. Uh, it was going to have a much wider release this week, but Fox Searchlight, I don't know what they're doing. I and mean, like we, Maverick, we, we both noticed like we were looking for like when we were going to go see the movie and everything like that. We ended up, we got to go see it at the Alamo Draft House in San Francisco, which is just my first time at a theater of that oh, caliber. Man. And that was, that was an experience. But yeah, there wasn't a lot of other options for us locally. We haven't really talked about how you, what you really dug about the theater. I mean, walk us, walk us through. I mean, what if people don't, you know, well, know I mean, draft my, my, my only real theater experiences are, you know, the kind of cut in the middle AMC, you know, AMC's, local centuries, you know, Cinelux, the kind of local stuff. And I like the Cinelux vibe of like the small local feel, but man, this was an experience. And, and I think what I liked about it the most was it was an actual theater, right? Like not just a movie theater, but like a total, uh, Oh, uh, I got to get you to, to the Castro theater. Yeah, um, stuff like but that. But yeah, well, yeah, we did go to the Stanford Theater that one time to watch Which, Casa and, and that's why I liked it so much. It was like the the, the best parts of the Stanford Theater, and mm-hmm. then, you know, the whole, the way the seats were spaced out, you know, you can order dinner from your table. Like, yeah, it was just got a nice cool, little trays. It was a cool movie-going experience for me. I love how, like, I love how everything at the Draft House is really planned out. Everything is very, like, Oh, yeah, they're on optimized. Yeah, they, they don't mess around. Yeah, I love, like, they, do, they don't do, like, a lot of traditional trailers. Uh, and the pre-show is so much fun because, like, it mm-hmm. dives into, like, filmographies. And the director. And, uh, and- yeah. It's, there's no Maria Menounez, you know, telling me about something called Nuvi. Oh, yeah. That's been a frequent one lately. What is that? I don't know. I've been having this thing where Maria Menounez and I were just... We're not on good terms these last, like, 15 years, I want to say. She's yeah, been doing these been pretty angry. pre-shows. Yeah. Yeah, she's always trying to get me to go to her website, sign up for her <laughs> newsletters. It's really passive-aggressive. Yeah. 
But anyway, it seems like it's really targeted towards you too. Yeah, it's she's looking right at me. Didn't yeah, you it's pretty offensive. I'm always like, hey, I'm right here. <laughs> well, uh, look, like I was saying though, I love dogs. Like I was just noticing, like we were gonna see Unsane and talk about that movie as well this week. Yeah, but, but then, they canceled the showtime for Unsane that we were gonna catch on like Saturday morning to put more showings of Isle of Dogs because they realized they, they messed, messed up. up. Yeah. They yeah. So unfortunately, we won't be able to talk about Unsane this week. Um, yeah, maybe we'll get a chance though. later. Yeah, that's the new Steven Soderbergh film. I think we talked about it briefly last week. It was the gimmick is that it was shot on iPhone, and uh, Claire Foy is the lead actress in that. I really want to see it. I've heard it's uh, it's worth checking out. Definitely right in my wheelhouse too. So I'm excited yeah. for it. And I, you know, I, I honestly going into this review, I was thinking we were going to talk about Pacific Rim Uprising. I didn't think that we were. I didn't think we were going to talk about Isle of Dogs so fast. But I noticed that everybody's talking about Isle of Dogs this week. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if we don't talk about it, then our listeners will be wondering where our review is. So we're just going to do it this week. It'll be fine. Cool. Yeah, I think uh, just from conversations with my wife, who is a Japanese-American woman, that mm-hmm. uh, we've had some good conversations and she's given me permission to kind of express some of her opinions on the movie. So okay. I'm excited to talk about that. Well, let's dive into Isle of Dogs then. Let's review this thing. Shouldn't it we is... start with Pacific Rim and like end with the cooler movie? No, because we're ending with uh, Barry, the new show on HBO. Fine. Yeah. Let's just get to the thing people came here for. Um, and, and the reason, like, I Love Dogs, I think, is one of our most anticipated movies of the year. I've been excited. The first time I saw the, the trailer, I was like, I want to see that. Right. Like, which is crazy because you're not even, like, a Wes Anderson fan. I mean, well, not that you don't that, like... Yeah, I was going to say, it's not that I'm not a fan. A I just I, ha- I don't have a lot of exposure. I think the one Wes Anderson movie I've seen is The Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. and it was long before my Cinemaholic days, so I just, I like, I wasn't really in it, and I didn't care for it just because I wasn't paying attention, I guess, like I do now. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something I'll have to rewatch. But from what I've seen, I, I definitely want to see more Wes Anderson things in my life. Um, we, we have a lot to go through. I, try, I wanted to... Uh, I just watched Fantastic Mr. Fox. <sighs> I rewatched... <laughs> let me start that over. I just get a little choked up over Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, he gets nervous. With the cuss. Um, yeah, I rewatched Fantastic Mr. Fox the other day, and yeah, I was so sad because you weren't really in the mood to watch it. I, I was not in really a movie mood. It. I had just finished playing Fortnite for like, I don't know, 12 hours, and I was like, I mm-hmm. need to take a break from the screen. Well, Wes Anderson has a great filmography. I've, I've seen all of his films except for uh, his first one, which was Bottle Rocket. Uh, that uh, I've heard it's not his strongest, and that's probably why I haven't seen it. My experience with him starts at Rushmore, but... Yeah, very, very specific type of director. You've heard of Wes Anderson. If you haven't, uh, he is just a guy who has his own style. Like he's, he's an impressive filmmaker to me because he basically is his own genre. You see the jokes, the memes, everyone, yeah. everyone gets it. Like they're like if Wes Anderson made an X Men movie, is this really funny video? Uh, you can just sort of understand that you're watching one of his films. And I think a lot of people say for the better. Uh, not everybody loves his aesthetic. Because like that's the drawback. If your if your style is so specific and consistent, then that means people are going to consistently dislike it. It's just statistically for like sure. there's going to be somebody. It's just not for them. Yeah. But I'm glad he sticks with it though, because yeah. for the people that do like it, it's such a treat, right? Because it's so different from what we're seeing otherwise. But as we're going to talk about, I think that he does find ways to make his films different from each other as he goes along. Oh, absolutely. In their own unique ways. So. Uh, okay, Isle of Dogs is a stop-motion animated film. Wes Anderson wrote and directed it, and uh, he he did one other stop-motion animated film, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which we alluded to. And uh, he he has his own um, shooting company. It's called uh, American Empirical Pictures, and this was also produced by Indian Paintbrush. 
So it's a voice cast uh, featuring Brian Cranston, Greta Gerwig, Edward Norton, Francis McDormand uh, from Three Billboards, Maverick, mm-hmm. um, Bill Murray, uh, as in you know we we Edward Norton, Bill Murray, like they're in lots and lots of Wes Anderson films, Scarlett Johansson as well, Tilda Jeff Swinton. Goldblum and Bob Balaban. Um, and Yoko Ono. Yoko Ono. So there is a large uh, voice acting cast for the Japanese characters. So the the, the movies. I, I just want to say one quick thing about Island Dogs. Here we go. All of this stuff is explained through exposition. The fact that the dogs are voiced by Western actors and the Japanese characters are voiced by Japanese characters, with the exception of a foreign exchange student voiced by Greta Gerwig, as we alluded to. So I just want to say. I love how this movie explains all of this. Mm-hmm. It, it is like this early on thing and it's, it's used for comedy and it's, I don't know. It has amazing timing. Like it's, it's how the movie opens. It's like, here's how the movie works. And I thought that was a great way to set the tone. Yeah. Um, that said, the, the Japanese voice acting cast includes Kunichi Nomura, uh, who also wrote, uh, co-wrote some of the film. He was also one of the consultants, um, and Akira Takayama, and uh, Akira Ito, and I, I want to make sure I say this right, Yoko Ono, and the you young, got that one right. <laughs> yeah, the young the young boy is named Koyu Rankin. Um, so I don't know how to say that correctly, so I apologize. But that's why I let you pronounce things. Yeah, yeah, I should have just thrown it over to you. I get enough heat as it is. Um, so yeah, Isle of Dogs. Uh, what did you think of this one, Maverick? Oh, I guess we didn't say what the, the synopsis is, but I, I guess because I've seen this trailer. An so outbreak times. of canine flu in Japan leads to all dogs being quarantined on an island. A boy journeys there to rescue his dog's spots and gets help from a pack of misfit canines who have also been exiled. His quest inspires a group of dog lovers to expose a government conspiracy. The voice cast also... Oh, never mind. I read too far. Yeah, you read. went too far. Damn. Went too far. Uh, yeah, so that basically sums it up. It's like a fictional Japanese city called Wait, Megasaki. Wait, this didn't happen? 20 years in the future. Damn. It did not happen. Um, but Maverick Hines, uh, this is probably your first really pure Wes Sanderson experience. I mean, the first one in the theater. So mm-hmm. what'd you think? Man, did I love this movie. Mm. It was such a cool experience because it was so different. Um, I've seen a lot Do of you know really like stop motion? I mean, I don't have a lot of exposure to it, right? So I don't, yeah, okay. I don't know. I guess I liked this a lot. So this could be exceptionally done, or this could be bad on the spectrum of stop motion. I don't really know. I liked this, so I'm going to say yes for right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm at a hundred percent approval rate so far. Um, it was such a, and that's that's part of it too, right? It's, it, this was just such a unique movie going experience for me. Um, I've seen a lot of movies recently for my life, for me, and man, this was this was just so cool because it was so different. I loved, like you said, I think the way they explain how the movie works beforehand is really cool and it's really fun. And it kind of prevents you from being like, wait, what? Like, why Why can they understand this or whatever the whole time? Like, it kind of eliminates the whole overthinking it, I think. Um, I really liked it. The soundtrack was great. The cinematography was so amazing and the stop motion was really cool. I, I mean, I just, I don't really have a ton of nitpicks. I, I really enjoyed this experience and I really like the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm curious because I'm trying to think of like stop motion movies. Like you didn't go see Early Man nope. with me or Kubo and the Two Strings. Nope. So I, I'm guessing you haven't seen a lot of the Leica films. It's sad because like this is Will Ashton's genre. Yeah. I hate to drop his name like this. You yeah. Know? I'm sorry I'm not good enough for you. Yeah, it's true. But like this is like his deal. Like he loves this like art form. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen a lot of it, 
I, I've seen, like, I, I thought Early Man just from the production design just wasn't all that impressive. I thought it was mm-hmm. kind of bland and dry. But this movie was such a breath of fresh air, even compared to Fantastic Mr. Fox, which has a very unique color palette to it. It's very, uh, I don't know, it, it has a very specific, you know, hue that goes throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And I really like that movie. I've never considered it one of Wes Anderson's best. My favorite Wes Anderson film is easily Moonrise Kingdom. And I don't even know if that could change, but I love Doug's. That, this movie comes pretty close to being up there in like my top of like Wes Anderson, which for me is a big deal. Cause I really love a lot of his films. I really liked grand Budapest hotel uh, a lot more than I thought I would honestly. And that, that, was, that was his last film. The one that came out right before this one. Um, all that said, Isle of Dogs, wow. Uh, I I was so like into this world. This like yeah. this like setup. It was so original. It was such a different kind of story. The the dogs were so funny that I, I was kind of caught off guard by some of the jokes because like the the kind of just the whimsy that these voice actors have. Yeah. Like this hearing Jeff Goldblum gossip about dogs mating with each other is one of the most like it's something that I didn't know that I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> you for know? sure. Um, and Bill Murray kind of just being like this goofy pal was really funny. The dog and the dogs are adorable too. And like I, I you kind of went over this, but this movie, like the the animation and everything, like Wes Anderson's known for great production design. Uh, he creates little worlds, uh, and it can be tough to kind of like reconcile with a lot of his uh, his cultural, you know. I don't want to say appropriation, but basically, because uh, he creates his own little fictional alternate universes that have their own specific set of rules. And what I loved about what he does at this one is he combines it with animation in a way that I just, I don't think we've seen from him before that's this strong. Like, just the materials he uses for, like, fight scenes, the uh, every, every, the way that the dogs move, the way that things look. Uh, I wanted, like, I told you yesterday, I wanted to see it, like, immediately after. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even like the film as much as you did, really. I have to be honest, like, I, like, throughout the movie, about halfway in, I I was kind of, it was kind of losing me a little bit. I felt like it was really kind of dragging me along, and I just didn't feel, uh, the the big heartfelt moments that usually come in Anderson's movies, they usually happen, like, right at the halfway point. Like, there's a lot of, the movie always begins with a lot of irony, and then it dovetails into emotion. Hmm. And that's how he punches you. And this one, for whatever reason, didn't get me. I guess. Did it get you? Um, I wouldn't say it was like a gut punch, but like, I think I felt what I was supposed to feel, right? Like I, I understood like, yeah, this, this is the moment that whatever, but I don't think it like changed my life or impacted me super deeply in that way. I would say that too. I mean, but it, it did hit a lot of beats. Like this movie is, I would say his most political movie, even more political than Grand Budapest Hotel, which was about you know, racial prejudice. This movie is about how the government can use uh, scapegoats Mm -hmm. to marginalize people. That's really specific and really relevant. And watching that, I almost, I, I wanted to be a little bit more wrapped up in the message and the theme of it, but something was kind of distracting me, I guess. I don't know what it was. And that's why I want to see it again. Uh, I guess I just, it it didn't warm me up, I guess. That makes any sense. I was just very like, felt very mechanical, very, felt very, uh, 
almost as mechanical as the animation and not quite as like, like Moonrise Kingdom like messed me up as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing doesn't happen here, unfortunately, it, to me. Yeah, I think it did a little bit more for me, but yeah, I, I'm, I agree with you that it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a gut punch, right? But it wasn't, I think, as mechanical as you're explaining it to me. Yeah. For me. Okay, well, we should we should address something that I think is pretty important to have a conversation about. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie, like we said, you know, it's it takes place in Japan, the J- Japanese a archipelago. Japan. Yeah. A fictional <laughs> version of it. And uh, I, I've seen a lot of people come out and say that they, they aren't big fans of how this movie uh, basically portrays Japanese culture and uses it. Uh, one review I want to bring up uh, by Justin Chang on LA Times, uh, he said, Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs is often captivating, but cultural sensitivity gets lost in translation. Uh, specifically, he said, it's in Anderson's handling of the story's humans that his sensitivity falters and the weakness for racial stereotyping that has sometimes marred his work. Some, of course, will be offended by the mere invocation of these Japanese cinema giants in this particular concept uh, context. Uh, because this movie, I should say, like, Kurosawa is all over this film. The dogs themselves represent Ronin, you know, kind of guiding along a kid. Uh, it, it, it's very like specific to the Kurosawa. Uh, that's why I was watching Rashomon yesterday, actually, because I was it was so on my mind. Um, but uh, as Justin was saying, the ever contentious subject of cultural appropriation has haunted Isle of Dogs since before its recent premiere at the Berlin International Film Festival, where Anderson won a directing prize. Bluntly put. Does this white American filmmaker's highly selective, idiosyncratic rendering of an East Asian society constitute a sincere act of homage or a clueless failure of sensitivity? Uh, what, what do you think about that? Uh, as somebody who isn't as familiar with Wes Anderson's work, because it, a lot of the defenses I've seen Maverick have been, well, that's what Wes Anderson does. He does this with lots of different cultures. It's not something that he's specifically doing to Japanese yeah, um, like, like you just said, I don't have a huge exposure to Wes Anderson's work, so I can't speak to the rest of what he's done. Um, and I can give, I can attempt to give two perspectives on this movie. One as me, a white guy, right? With so, a beard and everything. With a white guy beard and everything outside of my relationship with my wife. So I, the, as the white guy on me, I, I, I have to be careful here. I don't want to say anything incorrectly, mm-hmm. so forgive me if I misspeak. I didn't notice anything because like when we saw Ghost in the Shell, it was like, wow, like this is not okay, right? Like the way that that was done and the way that they were like, it was gross. It was just it, not it okay. marred the movie. 100%. I didn't feel that watching this movie. So if there was a cultural appropriation or there was insensitivity to the culture, I didn't notice it. But I'm and, also not in that culture. Right. And right? we saw it with your wife. So that's your my, other, yeah. my wife is half Japanese and John and I were both asking her a lot afterwards because we knew kind of about these comments and these mm-hmm. reviews going into the movie. And so we asked her afterwards and from what I've gathered from my wife and I, I can also follow up later to make sure I'm not misspeaking after I tell her what I said today. Um, she was, she never expressed any overt, like she wasn't offended. She never felt like anything was super wrong. She did say that she felt a couple things might've been a little bit exaggerated with. Yeah. Like the pronunciation the pronunciations and, and the way they were speaking was like a little bit exaggerated. I think, but for, which I think falls into that defense because Wes Anderson does that all the time with yeah, his characters. And that's something that yeah. her and I 
wouldn't know because we haven't seen a bunch of Wes Anderson. But like, if you're removed from his other movies and you don't realize that, it can feel like he's singling out a culture and mocking them. Yeah. When I don't think that that's so. The yeah. So that's the context we don't have. But from what from what she's told us, uh, she wasn't like she said. She still really liked the movie. She had a really good time. Mm-hmm. She wasn't offended by, um, you know, the the uh, foreign exchange student being a hero. She wasn't offended by, you know, the the pronunciations or we anything like that. I- I want to say that something about that too, because yeah. I was thinking about this because when I initially saw the movie, I had a weird reaction that the only weird reaction I honestly had in terms of the cultural sensitivity was the fact that the foreign exchange student is sort of positioned as this hero. And I was like, come on, like a white savior, the kind of thing. That's such an easy mistake. Like, why would you do that when you know that it's just going to come off the wrong way? Mm-hmm. And I kind of was looking at it though, from a f- different perspective and I can kind of see that she's not really the the total hero i think it is an ensemble film where ultimately the hero is this little boy and i i do think that that and the dogs and everything like that i i do think that there there are like little undertones that you can read into mm-hmm. but for a movie that here's where i fall into it this is a movie that is about how we shouldn't marginalize people how we shouldn't treat other people poorly how we shouldn't uh scapegoat people how we should be together and harmonious and if you can, I, I don't know, I just don't think that we should drag the entire movie down because like, you know, because certain aspects of it are, have been Wes Andersonized, I guess. But at the same time, I, I also think that we shouldn't ignore uh, people who are having honest reactions to the movie and are just like fed up with it. Right. Yeah. And obviously we're not saying that if, if you are of Japanese heritage and you did find this offensive that, oh no, you're wrong. You shouldn't be like, that's not anything. It's just... I think there's such a spectrum of, obviously there's such a spectrum of how people have received this movie, right? Yeah, I'm and, not seeing any resentment for people enjoying the movie. Yeah. I'm seeing resentment coming from people who aren't even willing to talk about, like, just issues that other people are having with it. And I think that's worth talking about for sure. I wish we could have somebody on who is more, like, of this perspective that could, like, lend that, you know, view. Uh, yeah, it's really easy for us to sit here. Yeah, we can just sort of right? sit here and we can't really, yeah. <laughs> So that's a shame. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, like, if you're listening now, I, I at the very least, I mean, go out there, read some of these reviews. Read Justin Chang's review, reviews. There are a lot of other ones, um, you know, that were, and a lot of other, like, critics who aren't Japanese-American or Japanese, they're saying the same thing. Uh, Matt Donato uh, from We Got This Covered, of course, he wrote a review of it, and uh, he kind of had this, he had, he had the same reaction. So it's definitely fair to bring up, but for me personally, it doesn't drag down the movie because I think that it's so smart and clever and political that uh, I think that the overall package, I think like a lot of the cultural like exaggerations come from good intentions and come from a place that I think is interesting and comes from a place that isn't like, I just don't see how it mocks. I just sort of see how it like, he's just fitting it into his weird imagination. Mm -hmm. And, but I understand that as a standalone, that might not be good enough for people because if you don't have context, it can come off very poorly. Yeah. Yeah. That said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still processing this movie. I I want to see see it again again soon. I really want to hear what Will Ashton has to say about it. Uh, if he ever comes back, what do you think he's doing right now? Probably talking to every fan who's commented on anything ever that he's posted. I think he's doing something <laughs> on Facebook today where he's like pretending to be famous people and he's like, ask for a famous person. And, and he does that. that every day, doesn't he? Yeah. But like, I think today he's doing like a bit. I don't know. It's, it's, ah. it's, he's going deep. If any of you listeners aren't in tune with uh, Will Ashton's Facebook, you're, uh, you're missing out on some entertaining stuff. Um, 
Okay. Well, Isle of Dogs. Uh, did you have any final thoughts that you want to get into? I feel like we... Uh, no, I think a lot yeah. of this movie should be preserved. I don't want to say too much. I think this is a good movie to just go see. And I think go something out, to add yeah. to what you were saying, you know, read the reviews, kind of form your own opinion, but also go see the movie, right? Like, don't just don't just read the reviews of it and take it for what it is. I think it's important to go see it and, and see how you feel and yeah. see what you think of it. I'm having a hard time recommending it, to be honest, because I think that part of the reason why I really love it uh, is different from why you really love it, Maverick. Um, because I don't love everything about it, obviously, mm-hmm. but for film buffs, if you're listening to this show, you probably listen, watch a lot of movies. And if you've watched a lot of classic films, I mean, this movie is like a feast. There's so many influences. There's so many great references, but I don't know how, if, if that'll really translate to other moviegoers, you know, like if you haven't seen a lot of Kurosawa films. So I would say, you know, I would say if you are somebody who just wants a really good original comedy with uh, some really interesting uh, things to say about society, and it's a smart movie, I think even if you don't agree with how Wes Anderson made this film and did what he did creatively, I think it is a fascinating film to watch and to analyze, even if you have issues with it. And you can raise those issues. And maybe that would make uh, his future movies or somebody else's movies in the same material even better. Uh, I didn't mention too, I mean, I love Japanese culture. Uh, Japanese culture is something that I've tried to embed in a lot of things that I've created as an author. Uh, I love East, you know, Eastern anime. And uh, like, you know, Maverick, like I watch a lot of anime. All and, the time. Uh, yeah, and I read manga. And this is not a movie that, <laughs> this is, it's not, the way that he portrays Japanese culture is not like I've ever seen before, just based on my limited, you know, consumption of Japanese media. But it does kind of remind me of how Japanese media portrays American culture, to be totally honest. It just kind of feels like the inverse of that. If you watch a lot of anime, you'll see that, like, the Japanese have a very specific view of American culture, and I've never found it offensive, but I have seen it as sort of being like, oh, come on, do your, do a little bit more research. And I think that that's where a lot of people are coming from, that kind of place of, it could have been better. Yeah. And uh, I certainly agree with that to an extent. Um, final thoughts, I give this movie a B plus, B for Bark. Uh, what about you? Uh, I'm right there with you. It's a B plus for me as well. A B plus? I was expecting an A. No, I don't think it's an A. And I guess I didn't really dive into any of my issues with it, but... Oh, well, please do. I, I think the the one thing that I kind of was whatever with, and I think you addressed this earlier, is there was a point in the movie where I was like, okay, we've been doing this for a minute. Like, when when's the next part, right? Like, when's the next phase of this? Hmm. Um, okay. So I don't know if that's a pacing issue or what. I don't I don't really know. But there, there was a couple, not a couple months, but there was a little section in the middle where I was just like, yeah, I know they're walking. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I will say that I think the the dogs themselves, we didn't, I don't think we got enough Jeff Goldblum and Bill Murray. Like, I just don't think the side dogs got enough. I think Brian Cranston, he was great in it. Like, his character, it was a great story. Yeah. And I love the story of it, like him and the little boy, the fact that he's a stray. Uh, I won't spoil anything, but like the way that they do his character, it's not like you see in the trailers. Not at all. But the other dogs kind of get short shrift. And instead of like giving more time to the dogs, we get a lot of time on this like conspiracy plot in Megasaki that I was way less interested in, to Mm -hmm. be honest, but it was kind of interesting. So I don't know, it would be good to talk in like maybe a spoiler discussion with Will at some point, maybe we can dive more into those nitpicks. I, I, I kind of see where you're coming from for sure yeah so for me right now it's a b plus i think if i watch it again and get a good idea for it it might go up to an a minus because that was kind of like my first gut reaction was can like, we go see a-. it instead of talking about pacific Rim? yeah Rising. let's go right now yeah. okay bye guys there's plenty of uh show times that's for sure yeah okay well that's i love dogs you know i, I honestly hope it's su- i hope it's successful i i think that even if you have issues with it uh an original film 
you know, with a, a unique premise, with a unique animation style, deserves to be seen by a lot of people. And uh, yeah, I think we've uh, basically covered it. Let's talk about Pacific Rim Uprising, another movie we both have seen. So Pacific Rim Uprising, here we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the sequel to Pacific Rim, which was directed by Guillermo del Toro, who, you know, Maverick, you saw Pacific Rim for the first time recently. Yeah. And, it was uh, cool. Think? I really liked the first one. I didn't see it when it came out because I was like, wow, this looks great like... theater movies. I feel bad. But huh? I said it's a great theater movie. It was a great at-home movie, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, but when it, yeah, when it came out, I was like, man, this just looks like... Because I think it came out relatively close to one of the Transformer movies, didn't it? You were, it was 2013, so no. I think the next Transformers movie was like a year later. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Age anyway, w- when it came out, I was just like, man, this just looks like... Is this Transformers? What is this? This kind of just looks like a bad action movie. I'm not it's like interested. Transformers, though, but like coherent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right. Uh, so I wasn't interested at all. We saw it because I knew we were going to be seeing this movie, uh, the second one, here pretty soon. And man, was I... I liked the first one a lot. It was fun. Obviously, it wasn't a perfect movie, right? Like, it wasn't this amazing story, but it was a fun action robot fighting monsters movie. Like, what can you complain about? Yeah, and it's cool because it's like... It has such a unique premise. It's kind of like... It's funny that we're talking about Isle of Dogs and this movie because this is a movie that is so about Westerners kind oh, yeah. of uh, using Japanese culture and like... Because the idea of like kaiju... Uh, fighting giant robots it's very Gundam mm-hmm. and uh, and I would say that like with this sequel this is a movie that like one of the things about the first one too is that like very diverse cast like the idea is that like people from all over the world kind of uniting to take on this common threat yeah 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 so it's a good the first one I think is a great film I liked it a really lot. good it really fun I think it's one of del Toro's like better genre films I think that it is so uh I think that it's just so much smarter than people give it credit for yeah. the idea that like, you know, you have to have two pilots to pilot these huge machines. Like the rules that this movie sets up make sense. They lend stakes and tension. You know, you, you share a mind with somebody in order to pilot this big robot. And like, it creates a hubris of like, not only do you have to defeat these monsters, but you have to defeat your own monsters. And it's mm-hmm. just so it's a movie about empathy. It's, it's a movie about conquering your inner demons. And it's just, it's just a, it's a, to me, what constitutes a great genre film. It's why I thought Shape of Water is a film that kind of deserved to win Best Picture because he's been doing this for a while. Or he takes kind of superficially, you know, kind of superficial material and elevates Makes it. Makes beautiful. <laughs> this movie, Pacific Rim Uprising, was not directed by Guillermo del Toro. No, it was it not. It wasn't. It was directed it was by Stephen S. DeKnight. Painfully obvious it wasn't directed by him, too. Yeah, this is his feature film uh, debut, DeKnight. Uh, he, he's worked on a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of like shows, I think. And I think he also wrote, uh, he helped write one of the Transformers movies, the more recent one. Um, but that we should say, I mean, the recent Transformers had like 12 writers or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, so it's been five years since the first film, 10 years have passed in the film. Uh, this movie stars John Boyega, who, uh, interesting enough, I didn't realize this going into the movie. He actually helped produce this film. Uh, this is his producer debut. Oh. Boyega, which cool. uh, makes it definitely excites me because John Boyega is someone in who I really think is extremely underrated. I think that uh, unless you, a lot of people who've seen Attack the Block will agree with me on this, but people who are only really familiar with him through like Star Wars: The Force Awakens and Detroit, mm-hmm. two of his more recent films, and Last Jedi, obviously, are just kind of unaware. I think of like John Boyega's like incredible acting chops, especially with action. So. Hopefully, though, that this him producing this movie isn't a sign that uh, you know. Anyway, 
Uh, this movie also stars Scott Eastwood, which that's unfortunate. Uh, I think that he's been, this is probably one of his better films, but that's saying nothing. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're aware at all of his filmography, uh, Kaylee Spenny, who is one of the better actors in this, she plays a young kid that, mm. uh, John Boyega's character runs into. John Boyega, by the way, plays the son of, uh, Pentecost, that's the guy with the really cool name played by Idris Elba in the first movie. Um, and then, uh, Jean Tian, Adria Arona, and Jane Jin, Rinko Kikuchi, I, I, and Charlie Day, and Bernard Gorman from the first one are in this one. Okay, Civic Rim Uprising. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, this, this is just this is a movie about more. robots. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That, for me, like, I'll start on a positive note. I thought that the actual kind of um, Jaeger battles with monsters in this one was entertaining. I liked mm-hmm. the robot the action. The, best part. the action was the best part of the movie. Didn't care about much else, to be honest. Now, you and I have pretty different opinions on kind of the villain figure, but we can't really talk about that because it gives away a good chunk of the movie. Um, the which character? The villain. Oh, yes. So we, and we disagree on this. Yeah, we disagree on the villain. I think... I, okay, yeah. I think the villain's great. I didn't care about the villain. I like once, So interesting. Once the villain is revealed to be the villain, I was like, what? okay, now what? And then I just didn't care for the rest of the time. So for me, the villain was super uninteresting. I thought it was one of the more interesting things going on because for me, the weakest thing, the weakest parts of the movie were twofold. Whenever John Boyega's character, I can't remember any of their names, um, and Scott Eastwood's character, whenever they were talking, I yeah. was so uninterested. Was like, yeah, I don't because care. This movie had way too much going on, way too much plot, way too many plot points. The the young kid that we get to know, Kaylee Spenny, and like she's trying to like, you know, it, it turns into Starship Troopers. It turns into like every like, you know, Academy Harry Potter sort of like cadet movie you've seen where yeah. like, oh, here's the bully character who's going to give her a hard time. She even looks like Draco Malfoy. She totally looks like Draco Malfoy. And, yeah. And it's just like, okay, we're going to do this for real. And I think those characters just are so sloppily handled. But even though the premise, I thought the premise of Pacific Rim Uprising, great. It's exactly what I think follows up the first one. Into it, yeah. Right? This should not have been a movie, though. It was too much plot for a movie. Obviously, or not obviously, also, you said something that I thought was really uh, on the nose. Um, It seemed like this time they tried really hard to to throw in some Marvel flavor into what they oh, were yeah, doing. Oh, yeah, the humor. Especially with John so... Boreas' character. They wanted him to be uh, Chris Hemsworth and Thor Ragnarok so bad. Like, that's <laughs> all they wanted him to be. I think they were I think they were specifically modeling him after Ant-Man. And, like, oh, yeah. I, I really... I, I, I was seeing Ant-Man. that sort of humor, the, like, the way that, like, uh, Scott Lang in that movie interacts with Hank Pym mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I, and Hope. I think that it's just okay, we're going to have like a serious moment in Gardens of the Galaxy to a huge extent. Yeah. We're going to have like a seriousness and then we're going to have a joke to undercut it. You know, this is how the characters are going to bicker and stuff. And a lot of it I thought was weak. Yeah, Very it was weak. all really quick, not really well written, just like... Uh, there- me of the jokes in Maze Runner, the, the, uh, the death cure. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that should have been funny. Shouldn't yeah, it? was that... Oh, that was, that was supposed to be a joke, everybody. Nope. Oh, that was like... I should have laughed at that, I guess, but yeah. I didn't. I, I don't think I laughed. I, there might have been a couple months where I was like, ah, okay, yeah, but like, I don't think there was any, definitely not like Isle of Dogs, where I was like, okay, that's hilarious. Right? I was, like, yeah, I got some belly laughs out of that one. Um, so I yeah. laughed more at Blockers than I did at this movie. I, don't, I didn't see Blockers, so that means nothing. Well, I, well, I saw Blockers, but we're going to talk about it, like, I think next week. Next week? Okay. I, well, it doesn't come out until April, I guess, but I don't cool. know. Cool. That means I have a few more weeks to avoid it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I've said everything I can. The, the unfortunate thing is we can't talk a lot about the movie without giving away major 
everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have one, I have two issues with this film. Uh, one is that it's too short for all the plot that it wants to do. And mm-hmm. I think that if they had made it longer, it would have been worse anyway. So at least it is gracefully short. <laughs> yeah. um, that said, I think this should have been like a series, an animated series or something that like can give more, like give these characters more. It's a great setup. It's it's a great like start to a series. It's like, it's a great, it, it would have been a great way to be like, oh wow, here's like a new way to like have these new characters take on the Pacific Rim story. Cause it, it, we should say like the first movie was an original concept. It was something that Del Toro imagined and be an executive produced a different kind of project. I just don't think it lends itself well to a movie, a follow up. Uh, that said, uh, I, my, my biggest issue with this film and what really dragged it for me, what really hurt it it disgraces Mako Mori, who I think is the real star of the first film. Uh, so she's played by uh, Rinko Kikuchi. She she makes the first film. 100%. She's the heart of that film. And how they use her in this movie is criminal. Yeah, it's pretty It dumb. is so messed up. It is so just irre- irreverent of what made the first one good. And it, the, the film completely lost me uh, about a third into it yeah. because of something that happens. That's all I'll say about that. I agree a hundred percent. I think she was probably one of the best parts for me of the first movie as well. And her utilization in this film was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It was just lame. And I think a lot of the major characters in this one, right? Like the major players in this one, none of them were super interesting. It was hard to care about really any Boyega, Boyega's character and the girl character caught by uh, played by Spenny. They, I thought that they were interesting. I thought the movie should have just been about them. They, we didn't need like all of these other characters. Yeah, like we only needed them, and then maybe one more. Like I think Rinko Kikuchi should have been a more major presence mm-hmm. with those two characters specifically, yeah. because. I would have loved that. I think that, but it, it would have felt a little bit like the first movie, but maybe that'd be better than this. Yeah. I would have liked another, basically a repeat of the first one more than what we did see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's tricky to say that cause then we would have complained and you know, I, I could see myself being like, they should have been more different, but uh, if you're going to be different, do it well. Yeah. I agree. Critics are mixed on this one. Uh, they, tomato uh, meter has it at about audience score is at 58%, but critic score is like 46. It sounds about right in terms of like how, the likelihood of you liking this one. I think there is good stuff in here. Like there were times when I was like, the action is is enjoyable. Yeah. There's like a smaller robot, you know, the very transformers though, where the girl, the girls that like kind of stands up to this much bigger Jaeger. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. And there are some cool monster fights. I think that for some people, the cool action in this film will be enough and like you can get, so I think, yeah, it's not a total, waste i guess but i'd say it's it's a much better transformers film <laughs> the bar is that low for transformers and i'd say that like for for teenagers for kids uh not young young kids i think that yeah i would totally take like my my nine-year-old nephew to see this movie i think he would get a he would have a blast and uh it'd be kind of a dumb movie and i'd rather take him to pacific rim the first one yeah but uh no like he'd have a good time for sure but yeah, I would think even for like a like slightly older teenagers, I think this movie would kind of just be like whatever. I don't yeah. know. You know, it's not it's not like a Marvel film I think that has so much more like a wide goodwill range. and yeah. credibility with like more people. Yeah, a wide range. Like it's more accessible, but this anyway. definitely is not that. <laughs> this isn't uh it wants to be. <laughs> 
So yeah, and it was a movie that was postponed a lot. Uh, I can kind of see why it was supposed to come out a year ago. It's, again, it's five years to do a sequel that feels this ho hum. It's kind of weird to me. And coming out in March, like this is just like this should have been like a big summer movie, and it just really isn't. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of weird that they went with that. Um, okay, so uh, I did also see Blockers. Blockers oh, is we didn't uh, give our final grades for. Oh yeah, sorry. Final grades for Pacific Rim Uprising. Um, I give this one a B minus. Oh wow, you're way more positive than me. It's like a C plus for me. All right, yeah. but that's not way more. That's like barely. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I meant not more than what I meant. More than what I thought you were going to get. Oh yeah. Well, you know, because like I said, there's good. Su- it's there's nothing about it that's offensively bad. It just doesn't live up to the first one, and I think that's. I just think it's a shame, lame. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like it's a terrible movie. It really isn't. Just harmless and kind of uninteresting. Can you please stop yelling at me like that? You're I mean, right. I got to ch- calm down a yeah, little bit. I don't think... Just because Will's not here doesn't mean you can just yell at me like that. <laughs> see, see what happens when Will's not around? Okay, so... Uh, Tell us about blockers. blockers. Well, Blockers comes out in like two weeks, so I'm going to wait. I'll just say that that's the new comedy uh, starring Leslie Mann, John Cena. Uh, it is kind of funny. <laughs> and that's it. I Goodbye, laughed. everybody. Sure. We'll talk more about it later. I wasn't very impressed with it. I, I kind of went in hoping it would be another game night, another really good studio comedy that's like unexpectedly funny. Mm-hmm. And there are really funny moments, but I kind of walked away from it. Mm, kind of, it has a terrible third act. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get into it a couple of weeks from now. But uh, okay, so last thing I do want to talk about is a new show called Barry on HBO. Oh, yeah. I, I've been trying to find the time to watch this show with you. Maverick, but uh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting because like I I didn't want to share the screeners with you because that would get me in trouble. Yeah. But it premieres on HBO uh, today when we're recording this okay. on Sunday. So by the time you're listening to this, it's either out or it's about to be out. Barry is a new show starring Bill Hader on HBO. Um, I'm gonna be really quick with this. This is one of this is could be my favorite new series of 2018. What? Uh, it's up there with End of the Effing World. Um, this show is great. It's hilarious. It is about a contract killer, a hitman. Oh, this okay. You were telling starring me about this Bill Hader. Yeah. He also co-created uh, the show. He directed a few episodes. He co-wrote a lot of them. He plays this guy who he's like Dexter, you know, murders people uh, Man, that Dexter, he considers bad guys. Uh, that he feels like he's justified, right? Okay. Um, he's like a he's an Iraq War veteran, and he goes to L.A. He's from the Midwest, but he goes to L.A. to carry out a hit. And uh, his target goes to an acting class headed by Henry Rinkler, of course, the Fonz. And he falls in love with acting. And then from then on, he has to balance his love of acting with his, with like his affiliations with like the Chechen mob. It's funny. It's super dark. It is a show that is unrelentingly violent. Like this is not a show where it like makes light of murder, but at the same time, it's funny and it's one of the most interesting genre mashups I think we've seen from HBO. I adore the show. I I've been pouring over every episode. I think yeah. that it's so I've, smart. I know it's good because I can hear you watching it. Like not the actual show, but just you responding to it. So like right. that's how I know it's a good show. It just it, there's so many. Uh, I. It, that's all I'll say for now. Uh, check it out. It's worth a binge. It's uh, well, actually, I don't think I think it's just coming out with the first episode, maybe the first two. It's worth checking out for sure. Give it your give it your time. If you have HBO, uh, seek this one out. If you don't, uh, I have a, I do have a question about it for yeah. you. Um, I don't know how much you can reveal or can't, but de- you said that it's kind of got some similarities to Dexter, which is as you right, know one which, of my favorite shows. Okay, yeah. uh, is it aware of that? Like, does it poke at it a little bit? 
You know, I can't say because okay, I've just, never really watched Dexter. Everything I know about Dexter is contextual. I, I know I see you watch it all the time. I get yeah. the premise. I've heard a lot of things about like what happens in the show. Mm-hmm. And I see the same sort of like anti-hero, but he's sympathetic. Okay. You know, that kind of thing. I was just curious because I saw a picture from the screener and he's wearing a very similar outfit to what Dexter wears sometimes. Yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's intentional. That's the thing is that like I think Dexter is a show that's way more like uh, – I don't, I don't want to say formulaic, but what I can tell, it has oh, a more setup. Super formulaic. It has like a yeah. setup that's a bit more like, okay, we're, we solve crimes, we're a team, that kind of thing. You've seen a lot. And he has this duplicitous. This show is very different from that setup. It's very like this contract, what is he going to do next? Cool. Uh, that kind of thing. The Hollywood hitman. I'm going to check it out. And that, that'll that do it. I think that covers uh, everything we got for this that's episode. Up. Yeah. We, we miss you, Record both. time. Um, yeah, next was that like week? a five minute episode? What was that? <laughs> yeah, it was quick. Uh, but oh, you know, we're we're gonna be talking about a bunch. We're gonna be talking about Ready Player One next week. That's the big review. And uh, are you excited about that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't read the book. I know nothing about the story. So there's that. I'm curious. The trailers have not captivated me. So I guess I'm not excited. But I don't think it's gonna be bad. Like you seem to have very high hopes for it. You know the story a little bit more than I do, obviously. So, but I am. Yeah, I I do I do see a backlash coming from like far away i mm-hmm. think a lot of people are going to hate ready player one for reasons that either are going to be valid or i don't know i think i think there might be some some backlash and maybe it might be undeserved i don't know for sure yet but tune in I'm, next I'm week to dragon ball z to yeah yeah tune in we'll see what happens uh we'll talk to we'll talk to will about uh isle of dogs too of course but ready player one's the big one and uh until then uh if you like our show please leave us a review and reading on apple podcasts uh, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find us. We're also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever you want to find us. We're uh, everywhere. You you look. We'll, we're there. <laughs> we have uh, our bonus show. Anyway, that's all I got. New episode coming next week. We had uh, a great one this past week about uh, their favorite outer space movies. Uh, you can get early access to Anyway, That's All I Got on Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemaholics. And uh, please, if you love our show, you want it to continue, uh, please consider donating uh, at any rate that you wish. Every little bit counts and helps us to pay the bills and make this podcast happen for you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, next week we'll talk about Ready Player One and hopefully Unsane as well because uh, we'll be yeah, able, we're be able to catch it before then and hopefully we can i can elaborate a little bit more on barry as well yeah and hopefully will comes back and uh you we'll know, see you know, stops being so lazy doesn't look good want to hang out with us wow you just call him lazy <laughs> oh my oh, god man, I, don't know. I don't know i just kind of left distracted. anyway uh yeah that, that'll do it for us this week thanks as always for listening from the internet california i'm john agroni from the broadband basement i am maverick Hines. see you next time bye